God, those communists are amazing. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Turn Lovers Podcast. I'm Mike, he, him. And tonight I'm here with Sterling, he, him. Forward, he, him. And our guest tonight is Ethan, he, him, from the Left Shelf Podcast. How are you doing, Ethan? I'm good. Happy to be back. I so wanted to be on this episode. So <laughs> glad I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I was excited to do this as well. I wanted to do a crypto episode or a Bitcoin episode for a long time. And yeah, when you suggested it, that obviously was the thing to do. So yeah, we're going to talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency tonight. So let's do it. Um, so I, I guess I'll start off. Let me start with my explanation of, uh, I guess, what is Bitcoin and how does it work? Just so we can get that out of the, out of the way. And then I'll also let Ethan do your explanation just so we can get hopefully a comprehensive enough, enough explanation for anybody who's unfamiliar with it, that they at least understand this. And then we can move forward with like talking about why it's important or revolutionary or whatever. All right. So to try to break it down as simply as possible, imagine you have like a whiteboard that you and your friends all write on to keep track of who owes each other money for lunch or whatever. Obviously, it would be bad if people could forge transactions on the whiteboard and steal. So to sort of remove the honor system part of it, you give everyone a marker that only they can use. And this is where it's just imagine then your whiteboard is now computers and everyone protects their, their marker that is their signature that can never be forged with their password. And that's what's kind of weird about, I guess not weird, but just like crazy about Bitcoin is like, it's very easy to make a wallet. You can make a wallet on a flash drive and hold millions of dollars on that wallet that is small bytes. It's very, it's a tiny, tiny file. And it's secure just by the math of that password and how secure that password is. Now, if you lose that password, you will never be able to touch that money again, no matter how large that amount is, no matter how much you want to. If you lose that password, it is locked up in that wallet for eternity. What's up, Sterling? If there's one thing we have learned through the last couple of generations, it's that everyone remembers their passwords. That is never... <laughs> an issue <laughs> it's not even that simple that like it's a password that you make it's like either this incredibly long and complicated random string of numbers and letters it's like 128 characters long or something and like if you get one wrong even like if it's in the wrong case you have totally fucked it but now they also have it to where you can put in like a seed phrase and you can essentially just memorize 12 words and then you can lock it up that way so that is a little more practical but there's only like so many words you get to pick from so it's not like you can get to pick those like your own 12 words you know what i mean yeah just imagine when banks adopt this, when you give JP Morgan like $80,000 and you show up and you forgot your seed words and they're just like, oh, sorry, buddy. Well, see, that's the thing is to circumvent the banks entirely. So you wouldn't see if you control those seed words, then you don't need the bank at all, which is the kind of the point of it. So like when you bank with Coinbase, so that's how most people get it. You buy it from Coinbase. You link your bank account to a Coinbase account. You buy it that way. But you don't actually own your Bitcoin. And the Bitcoin purists and the enthusiasts will say their favorite phrase, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. So if your Bitcoin is on an exchange, technically they own it. And enough scams have been pulled and they love to make fun of people who keep their coins on an exchange whenever this scam happens, when there's like a, an exit scam or a, whatever they call it. Like they just run off with their money, basically. So these crypto bros love to laugh and say, you should have had it locked up in a wallet. You know, should have done this really complicated thing or bought this like $100 electronic USB device that locks it up. It's called the Trezor. It's like a electronic wallet, basically. All right, so I covered, I guess, the very basis of it, but I was just going to continue and say, in cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, that security, like I said, is done with those very long passwords that are impossible to guess. And we know this because it hasn't once been done yet. Even though billions of dollars are at stake, if someone were able to break the cryptography of blockchain, like if you're able to break the very basic technology of this cryptography that secures all this money, you could have access to everyone's wallet. And so you could start forging transactions, you could take the money right out of their wallets. And no one has been able to do that yet. So that's how we know it's secure. 
But yeah, I guess that's essentially what the idea of cryptocurrency is. And it's just a public ledger or that whiteboard. And I analogized it to a whiteboard because it's important that everyone can see it at any time. You can give me a, another transaction hash, they call it, which is a long string of characters again, that is the record of a transaction. So like Sterling, I send you a Bitcoin. There's a transaction hash, which is the record of that happening. Anyone can paste that hash into what's called a block explorer. And you can find these websites online, just type in a block explorer. There, there's plenty of them. And you paste it in there, you can just view transactions. And people do it for fun. They'll view these huge transactions of multi-millions of dollars that somebody transferred from one account to another. And just imagine the person like holding their breath as they paste this long string of numbers and letters into a field and then check it like 80,000 times but to make sure they got it right before they transfer these millions of dollars. Because it's like, yeah, it's just, it's very stressful to do that. And that's what is preventing cryptocurrency from getting that mass adoption that they, and this is what was something that we'll talk about later because they want opposite goals. Like they want to circumvent the traditional banking system and kind of overthrow all of that. But at the same time, they want mass adoption because they realize that you can't have a serious currency until most of the people in the world use it. You know what I mean? Like that has to be, it's kind of how currency works. But anyway, Ethan, let me hand it over to you. We'll go with your explanation and see if we can sort of round it off and give a comprehensive way to understand Bitcoin before we get into. Yeah, I mean, I'll give a bit more of like an anodyne explanation, like how it actually works. I think it's really cool. The tech behind it is really cool. So like the blockchain kind of exists independently of crypto. It's just more like a technical idea and there's blocks and they're put together in a chain. So every block in terms of most crypto holds all of the transaction information that happened like in its minting process. So you can look back from the beginning to see what happened to like Bitcoin one, which has an actual hash term that I've seen sometimes on the internet. Like people are like really interested. There's people who actually track where Bitcoin one goes to like pick some type of Bitcoin. Like I'm just going to watch this. Oh, wow. Cause, yeah. Cause it's been around for like 10 years and it has moved. I didn't know that people watch Satoshi Nakamoto's wallets like, like yes. because if he were, if he, if this person or people who created Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, this anonymous figure, we can talk about that later, but yes. if, there's a lot of money locked up in this person's wallets, like billions and billions of dollars. And if any of them were to ever move, since they have not moved, since this person disappeared off the face of the earth, it might kind of like earth, crash. It would break the whole thing. Like all it would break the entire yeah. thing. Yeah. But continue. Um, yeah. So basically your purpose in the blockchain is yeah you keep a public ledger of every transaction that takes place and it seems kind of useless right like there's no reason that independent people would mine blocks so in return you get some reward which i think used to be literally like a quarter of a bitcoin and is now like 0.00 it's some crazy small mm -hmm. number for mining so then you put your block in its place and then in return you get a bit of a Bitcoin or whatever crypto you have. And kind of like you were talking about where everyone has their own marker, like the reason that more than one person doesn't like mine at the same time, because if you mine two blocks that have contradictory information, like if you say that during the last blocks mining period, this Bitcoin wasn't spent, but then another person says that it was, Theoretically, you can do this thing that's called, I think, double spending, where Bitcoin just exists everywhere all at once. Everybody can have like the same Bitcoin and that would completely crash everything. <laughs> so basically, the blockchain prevents that by having people mine at a certain rate and it takes a while to mine, which we'll get into with proof of work. Like 
if you want to contradict the block that everyone agrees is a part of the blockchain, by the time you like mine your own contradictory block, hopefully there's like five or six that have been put down the line. So then you just have to mine this like crazy amount. And that's how you maintain everything. Yeah. Mike, what's up? Let me just try to, if I could try to rephrase that another way to try to, yeah, I guess kind of dumb it down. I'll just, I'll just say it, dumb it down. No, I'll just say yeah. dumb it down. <laughs> Going back to like the office analogy, like you have, or just a friend's analogy, you have these records that you want to keep among your, each other, but you don't want to have to trust. So let's say, like I said, that whiteboard is now electronic. You have it on computers. So you have a whole bunch of computers in your office or whatever, and you all have copies of that whiteboard ledger that's public for everyone to see. That's how you prevent anybody from making changes that are not authorized because as soon as you make a change, it updates on everyone's computers. Everyone has copies of it. It's totally visible for everyone to see. Yeah. And so to make that even more secure, because eventually you reach a point where you realize, okay, well, what if I take Sterling's computer and Ethan's computer and Ward's computer while they're sleeping or something, and I force transactions on the computer, or, you know, I just take control of it somehow. That's what Ethan is getting at when he's talking about mining the blocks and then forging transactions, doing the double spend thing, like all the things you could do to like hack the system or whatever, like to steal money. They call it a 51% attack. And that's yeah. basically if you can control the majority of the computers that are mining whatever coin you're using, whatever blockchain technology you're using, you can then forge things. And that has happened with like very small coins where people had like huge mining rigs and they find like a coin that has like nobody running that program and they take control of it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's been every scam you can think of has happened in crypto like several times over because it's this wild, wild west of financials. But so to avoid that 51%, you try to just get as many computers involved as possible, right? Yeah. That way you can't take, and so you decentralize it. And that's where the decentralization comes in. So you, you spread this network out among your friends, you spread it to other people, get it on their computers so that you know it can't be faked. But now how do you get them to do that? Why do they want to do that? What do they care about your little whiteboard program? Well, you reward them. You pay them in like the coins that this thing mints every time they run that program. They're all running their programs to solve math problems, make more of the coins that you are using on there. And then they are rewarded with those coins. And then hopefully they have a value because you all agree that, that they have a value. And that's where the, the trading comes in. You have the marketplaces where you're trading Bitcoin against the dollar and it starts to have real actual value. Yeah. I mean, so two things out of that. First of all, if you do want to take over, maybe not Bitcoin, but some of the like mid-tier coins, I would assume that if you raise an army and you take over Kazakhstan and most of Texas, you could own <laughs> like multiple <laughs> cryptocurrencies. Um, because even though it's supposedly decentralized, a lot of the mining, because it's very energy intensive, especially for proof of work coins, like just takes place in less regulated markets. Mm -hmm. A lot of it took place in China, but that's kind of over now, um, which yeah. we can also get to. But yeah, do we want to talk about the difference between proof of work and proof of stake? I have because, a bit about it at the yeah. end, but I'm also not that great on it. So if you want to go through it, please do. Okay. So basically, okay. So you have the blockchain, which is a cool tech. But then, yeah, like we were talking about, there's the question of why do people want to mine? So you reward them, but then that has the opposite effect where people want to mine way too much. And then again, you would just kind of, even if people weren't meaning to, you would naturally get contradictory blocks, both put in the chain and it's hard to tell which one is right. So like, that's also a complete failure. So you balance that out with these two different ideas. Um, and the first one is proof of work. So basically you do, you have a computer solve like a useless math problem that is really computationally difficult. Like no person, I think it would take, I think that, and again, it's hard to tell exactly what the math problems are that's kind of built into the system, but they would estimate that it would take one person like 10,000 years to solve any of these problems. Yeah. Um, they deal with like hundreds and hundreds of digits and crazy operations and things like that. 
And so basically your computer is competing with all these other computers to put in the work to solve this problem that basically gives you the code to unlock the block that you can then put into the system. Yeah, that's us really. So is it kind of a first computer to solve the problem wins the coin? So yes. the people with yeah. the more powerful computers just kind yes. of overtake? <laughs> that's why they have yes. these huge rigs, yeah. Yeah, so that's why you'll have these cr these crazy rigs. Like there was a video that came out before China recently banned mining in their country, sort of, of a rig that had like a lot of parallel computers like running all at once to try to solve all these things. The thing is that even though this is crazy difficult, blocks are like mined pretty commonly. And by that, I mean, there's like hundreds a day yeah. put into the block. Like every 10 minutes or something. Like Yeah. Yeah. I, I will um, posit a, a question that no one's going to ask, but I'll just do it anyway. So why do some people have these small mining rigs? Like you see, obviously there are these warehouses in China, like you're saying, or Texas or whatever. But then some people just have like a computer in their house that's just making too much heat in their bedroom and they're mining there. It's like... They're doing that because they're going to get like cents. They may get a few cents here and there, and they don't care that they're spending more in electricity to get yeah. that. They're basically just exchanging money that way. Like instead of just buying it with their bank account on Coinbase, they're just exchanging power to their electric company to get a few cents here and there. So yeah, yeah you'll get a little bit here and there, but that's why you have the warehouse because you'll actually start making some serious money because you have to then also overcome the power consumption. And that's where it's like proportional. It's like this weird kind of algorithmic thing where when you get the huge warehouse mining rigs, then you actually are making more than you're spending in power because you have these crazy machines. Okay. So, so I feel like it's one or the other way. So is it that they say, okay, here's the new math problem. Everyone go at it. First one takes it. Or is it a dump? Like here's 10,000 math problems. Well, it's just a constant process that went into effect like in 2008 and has been yeah. going on ever since. And it'll finish in 2140 when the last Bitcoin is mined. There yeah. will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins. There's about 18 point something million now. And then the last one will be mined, they estimate around 2140. And that's when they'll switch over. And then I guess mining won't be a thing anymore. And it'll just be rewarding people for proof of stake, but get going. Okay. So my question is how many equations are like just available out there? Do they like only drop so many? A week uh, or are they kind of every bitcoin's equation already exists so it's not every bitcoin first of all it's every block which is a little bit different um okay. and okay so also most mining rigs don't just mine bitcoin you like mine multiple things at once um but yeah it really is that if you solve the block it's put in there only one person can solve the block and that's like very important because if multiple people could then again, you could have contradictory things in which I gave you my Bitcoin, but I also didn't. So that like completely ruins the system. So only one person can solve a block at a time. And the way that the proof of work regulates that is it can also make the equations arbitrarily harder. And this is where we start to get into like mumbo jumbo because this is very like computational math based, but like the system modulates so that if people are mining too quickly, it makes it harder to make it so that people can't do that. So it like achieves this rate in which there's a block put in at a certain amount of time. I think it's faster than every 10 minutes even. And so whoever makes that block wins some amount like 0. 0.0005 of a Bitcoin. And then you have that. Okay. Um, my, yeah. my question was, 
Are they just dropping one block at a time, or are there many blocks available on Bitcoin at any given moment? So there's only one block at a time yeah. for every oh. specific cryptocurrency. It's all oh. in like one chain. And so you can go back on the chain and look at where every Bitcoin has been at every point. Yeah, you because can otherwise see it every work. transaction that has ever happened with Bitcoin ever. Yes. And the whole thing is like a couple of megabytes. You can fit it again on a flash drive. You can see every transaction. Yeah. But then in that same way, you can also track every coin. So like if you know somebody's address, you can track where all their coins have gone, who they spent them, who they sent them to and everything. Yeah. So how do the small rigs ever win if there's only one available at a time and they have such So usually they're true believers. So either they're okay with basically never winning. They just believe in the process of like mining or they work on different coins. So Bitcoin's really competitive because it costs so much on the market, but there's a lot of kind of up and coming coins that you can mine very easily. I mean, you can mine coins right now and take up like a tenth of your computational thing. It's just that it won't be worth anything because those are all like shit coins, basically. I think I was misunderstanding and I think I misspoke earlier, Ethan, when I was trying to say that it is proportional and people get rewarded like cents here and there and spend more on power. I guess I should have specified that those people are mining coins other than Bitcoin. Like you wouldn't be able to mine Bitcoin and get a little bit here and there. You have to mine another coin, which you could then exchange for Bitcoin. So you yeah. can do it in just sort of an indirect kind of way. But there's a lot of that as well. And that's why people who follow crypto notice that every coin goes up when Bitcoin goes up. And every coin goes down when Bitcoin goes down because yeah. they're all trading against each other. Go ahead, Stoey. So is it decentralized if obviously the capitalist class that have the most access to these machines are clearly extremely more... Uh, at an advantage in this system? I mean, yeah. no, it's not. <laughs> exactly. And okay. we'll kind of get to whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. I will say one other thing about proof of work coins is that you can kind of think of the initial value of the coin as the energy put into it. I mean, this is kind of like a like vulgar way of thinking about it, but like a Bitcoin has value because like, let's say like a thousand trees in China were cut down to provide energy to make that coin. So initially, there's like a value of the coin, which is kind of like there was this huge waste of energy that did nothing apart from mine this coin that then has like a little bit. Yeah. Is there anything that this algorithm is used for? So they solve a problem. Is that solution a benefit for any reason or is it just solving a problem? So it's so it's purposefully computationally difficult so that you have to put in the energy to mine the coin because otherwise it would be too easy. So it's made to waste energy. Like okay. the energy goes into the production of the coin and nothing else. That's the whole point. No, keep- energy costs money. Like it's literally yes. just with that in mind, the energy costs money and that you're trying to yeah. get money out of this coin. Yeah. And like there are some people who have talked about like actually getting good math problems that we don't know solved in this process. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You can improve code or but something, But like right? those problems don't exist. Like, this is useless because it's computationally difficult. Like there's very rarely problems in math that are extremely computationally difficult that are like meant to take up energy. You might want to check, like there are computers that are like running that will solve for like really large prime numbers, but you can't use that to solve Bitcoin because that's not how Bitcoin works. You have to solve things that are like computationally difficult, but also useless so that they're hard to find. So we are confident that behind closed doors, all of these machines that are being put in place to mine Bitcoin are not secretly 
building the Tesla algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are like meant not to work. And then, so the other thing that a lot of, uh, you said crypto bros bring up is mm -hmm. that you can just use renewable energy. And in fact, as crypto's energy needs become bigger, like it makes people invest more in renewables because those are now somewhat cheaper. However, that's not the only problem because like crypto exists locally when it's mined. So if you mine in like China, again, and this was one of the reasons why they said they were going to ban mining, it takes away energy from other things. So people like couldn't turn on their electricity because all of the electricity that was produced at the power plant and then sent to this locality was being used to mine crypto. So like, even if it's renewable, it's purposefully not a useful like use of energy. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's kind of one of the points I want to get into in a bit is that this is the distilled version of capitalism. All of crypto is because you're seeing all the worst parts of capitalism take place really fast because it's just so bare bones. And then also in that same way, which I never really thought about that way, but of course you make such a great point. It's like robbing from so many other people just to do this useless thing yeah. to make a few people rich. It's like, it couldn't be a better metaphor for capitalism if it tried. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you're kind of just giving these power. I mean, the power companies got to fucking love this shit. You're yeah. just paying yeah. them for nothing. Yeah. Oh, though it can kind of fuck up like, the like movement of energy within the whole like system. So if the power company can handle it, sure. But like Bitcoin, okay, so Bitcoin on its own, like the mining of Bitcoin uses more energy than like 80 countries. And the mining of crypto as a whole uses more energy than like 120. So like crypto uses a lot of energy to mine. Bitcoin yeah. the most by far, but like other countries do as well. If I got those numbers wrong, whatever. The point is that they use like as much as a, like a small to mid-sized country just to yeah. like mine these, these coins. So to fix that, there's another way in which you can maintain the like fidelity of your blockchain. And that's proof of stake. Because I think that a lot of crypto people realize that to the average person, this much energy being wasted isn't going to endear your currency and like help people <laughs> adopt nah. it. So this other way is that you're given the option to mine the next block based on how much coin you own as part of the like money supply. Oh God. <laughs> so his eyes yeah, that, that sounds fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So I got to be honest, I don't really understand why or how this works. Um, the system. Oh, I understand be, why. <laughs> the yeah. like system of the blockchain is supposed to be trustless, but this seems to rely on just trusting that the people who own the most coins don't want to tank the whole coin system. Um, there are a few coins like Cardano that use this method that seem to work. Um, on the Cardano page, I like read because they have a like article that I think was published in a scientific paper about how their algorithm works. Um, what it kind of boils down to seems to be like cutting edge math and psychology. So make of that what you will. <laughs> um, I mean, I it really all relies it. on what game theory is their big yeah. thing. Yeah, like it, they're banking on the fact that it doesn't make sense to completely tank a coin when you have so much money in it, but like not so much that taking it gives you a payout. But it also essentially just works like interest. Like the more you have, yeah. the more you're rewarded for having. So it's yes. just, again, 
we're doing capitalism really fast and we're yeah. just watching the wealth concentrate up yeah. really quickly and then the people who have so much are what you call the whales and they manipulate the market all the time they yes. manipulate the prices of coins they do pump and dump scams they do exit scams elon do musk all kinds has of done this like multiple times oh my god this <laughs> motherfucker yeah yeah I, t I take it this is called the uh, adam smith coin <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean i think that people believe that the future of crypto is in this method as opposed to proof of work i have my doubts i think that proof of work seems to actually work because of how much energy goes into it it there's like a material basis by which you can't tank coins i don't understand it how the other one works <laughs> exactly i mean a both of those sound incredibly shit like yes. <laughs> to, to me why not just have like a community that has agreed like we are going to dedicate like so much tax dollars into maintaining this system in our community and then it is just going to pay out proportionately to our community. And then we all like raise up. Like, why is no one doing this shit the right way that would actually benefit anyone? I mean, it all sounds like this whole idea of decentralizing and breaking away from like the controlling interest is basically like fucking taking uh, your fucking thousand dollars back from them and then just giving them your checkbook. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the kind of rationale behind this is that basically what this boils down to is like, this is kind of like ANCAP theory, right? Yeah. Is yeah. that you build a system that is that intrinsically does not need human trust, that is basically anti-human from the beginning, so that you don't have to build any type of like community or anything for yeah. your coin to work. Yeah. <laughs> That actually brings us sterling very conveniently into the next section that I have here. Now, I think unless there's anything else you have about um, proof of stake, Ethan. No, I don't know. I would love to hear like any, I've tried to find like anything on it that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. I mean, the short me. answer for proof of stake is like, it works kind of like interest. The more you have when you put your coins up, because you have you to get, not yeah. only have them in your wallet, you have to like stake them. It's like yes. a separate process. And then when you do that, I guess, I don't know if there is a risk involved because I don't understand why you would keep them anywhere else but stake. I guess you can't spend them while yeah. they're staked. You have to like remove them or whatever. Yeah. And then you get rewarded for that. And then it works like interest, like I said. But then also when you ask crypto enthusiasts, this is apparently the solution to the energy problem like we were saying. So that's, I guess, all you really need to know about proof of work yeah. versus proof of stake. But so I just want to get back into the overall concept of Bitcoin and crypto and cover like, why is this novel or revolutionary? So it essentially or theoretically removes the need for centralized institutions like banks or credit card companies to control your money, to make transactions, to have an online store, any kind of thing like that. So it could potentially replace traditional or what they call fiat currency entirely if people were to adopt it to that degree. But as I was mentioning before, it's not practical yet because it's not easy for the average person to use without losing the keys to their wallet or accidentally sending their money to an address that doesn't exist. Like you could very easily send your, like misplace one character in a transaction that you're making, send your money to a wallet that doesn't even exist and now it's just gone forever. It's just locked up in there and then you'll never get it again. Like it's very easy to lose your keys. And so you're never going to have people like your grandparents adopting this probably in our lifetimes until it gets incredibly easy. That's where it kind of comes into this contradiction that we have where, like I was saying before, people wanted to overturn all the banks and overturn the system, but at the same time, you need everyone to adopt it. And it also needs to kind of be adopted by those same institutions to make it easy enough for everyone to use because you need people to be able to go to the bank that they're familiar with and use their crypto card to access to Bitcoin. So essentially they're going to trust exchanges. Like even if the banks go away and it's not a brick and mortar place and it's just Coinbase and it's just other exchanges, like 
that's how people are going to interact with crypto until it becomes much easier at the core level, which it's nowhere near yet. I'm not even sure how much they're working on that problem. Yeah. Well, and so a problem with a lot of these exchanges, and there's different kinds, there's Coinbase, which more is like a wallet system. So we can talk about the different types of wallets. I think Mike talked about that a little bit, but like there's wallets that you just have on your person that are backed by some hash code that only you know, some crazy long alphanumeric character. And like you just own that physically. So a lot of pure crypto people think that you should only have that. It's like a you might have it on a hard drive, flash drive, whatever. Keep it and it's yours. There's also Coinbase, which as which like provides you a wallet. Basically, you have a wallet that is supposedly um like it's out rhythmically uh hidden from them but that's not always true and i think yeah i don't that, buy it and i think that robin hood was the one where uh when bitcoin took a tumble right i think right before covid robin hood kind of went in and took like 10 percent of everybody's wallets and was like we're gonna give this back don't don't worry mm-hmm. and i think that they eventually did maybe a little bit but there were people who were like trying to cash out and they couldn't cash out all the things that they thought that they could. Yeah. So like there's laws that banks have to keep a certain amount in their like reserve ratio, whatever. <laughs> there's as of yet, there's no such laws for crypto. I guess you would call them like wallet uh, companies and changes, they can yeah. kind of just and and they don't. I mean, this is way too complicated, but they don't even own the coin themselves they have it on a market too so it's all very shady yeah and own robin hood and i don't know a whole lot about robin hood's relationship with cryptos but i definitely know that uh one thing that robin hood was like getting pounded for is they are basically like a secondary broker so they yes. basically they exist between you and the real broker and how they do it is they list their prices, which are fair, you know, the listed prices of the stocks are fairly in line with market value. Yes. What you could go to another broker and get. But what they do is they work directly with those brokers and get better rates. So when you buy a stock, you're paying what you probably would have paid to the other broker, but Robinhood actually got it for a lot cheaper. And then they take a, they actually buy even more of that stock and put it in their account. They actually own the entire stock, but they owe yeah. you 80% of the dividends of that stock. Yes. I don't, I don't know if 80% is the number, but yeah, like they, like people that started coming out that they were like, not only the owners, but you bought more stock than they gave you. Yes. And so I think that a lot of crypto people don't like it when traditional finance or like tradfi as they like to call it. <laughs> um, when those places do things like that the issue is is that you can also do that in crypto and in some ways you can do it even easier another company that was really interested in the exchange of crypto is called tether and so tether had like a secondary coin in which you would put your coins in and if you wanted real money to use for real things which you can't really do with most coins they would convert your coin into their own coin that's called tethered and then they would like they would sell that coin on a market. And I think that they are currently under investigation slash maybe have been charged with a bunch of crimes <clears throat> um, for basically minting coins without any backing. 
Yeah. Um, and like doing things like that. And they may have taken like millions of dollars from people. <laughs> because so, and that's another problem with crypto, just to jump ahead like a little bit, is that you can't actually use it for anything, right? Like people very, very rarely actually buy things using cryptocurrency because it's actually very computationally difficult to purchase things because you need to basically mine a block or have a person mine a block that like acknowledges that this took place or you didn't actually buy it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's pretty rare nowadays because it's so computationally difficult to mine for people to actually do direct Bitcoin transfer. Basically, it's all backed by like the dollar, which is why I kind of think that the U.S. government doesn't want to go after crypto too hard, because I think that we make a lot of money off the top from like the movement of crypto. So, yeah, so I don't really think because, Mike, you had in your notes that you think that maybe we will eventually adopt crypto as like a global currency. I don't really believe that. I think that like fiat's super useful for governments and they want crypto to exist as this kind of like side thing. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you think differently here. No, I mean, not to just yeah. say that, it actually makes me wonder if that is a better way that that will happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the next thing I have here. So let me just go through it and then, yeah, you can give your take on it because yeah. I may agree with you by the end of it. Let's see. So I was going to say that I don't think it's at all possible that Bitcoin will be the cryptocurrency that replaces the US dollar because even though I think it's very likely that crypto will replace fiat over time. And by that, I mean that like the institutions that we have will adopt. I don't think it will be any of the current cryptocurrencies that exist. Um, I think it would be like their own versions. And then there would be like the same kind of conspiracies that we have now where like you wouldn't be able to tell for sure if they really were faking the ledger or if it really was transparent, you know, because they would have so much hash power anyway. It's like you'd never really know if they were doing 51% attacks all the time, if they actually were in control of the blockchain, if it actually was decentralized or like transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all just to say, Bitcoin enthusiasts think that because it was the first and that's always so far been the most valuable that it will play out with that one being the most dominant and that will take over and replace fiat currency. But once you look into it, you can see how much of the world's Bitcoin is held by exchanges or a handful of whales, like I was saying earlier, that they all essentially engage in price manipulation, allowing them to keep acquiring more. So it's again, that concentrated, pure capitalism. It's so concentrated already that I don't think it's practical for Bitcoin to be the one master cryptocurrency. It's much more likely that they'll just adopt blockchain technology. And gradually transition like the U.S. dollar to that. What would you have, Stone? Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, obviously, there's a big difference between blockchain and fiat, but is there that much difference between the Bitcoin itself, like this digital currency, and basically the already intangible credit currency that most currencies operate on already? I mean, does it make that much difference to a government whether it's a blockchain or not, since they already basically are working with numbers that they get to make up? so kind of yes and no so i think that like if you look at the post world wars economy after Bretton woods there was a brief moment in which most industrialized countries agreed to tie their currencies to gold and then the u.s was like we're not going to do that and i think terrible idea well i think that the kind of inflexibility of like a material currency or a commodity currency, as it's called, that runs aground against like neoliberalism and like the kind of rapacious capitalism that we live under nowadays. You can't really have both. You need a kind of free currency where you can just like print more whenever you want to, because like 
we don't actually back money with anything, not gold, not like labor, nothing. And that's really useful to be able to make purchases and to kind of maintain the dollar as the global reserve. And without that, I think that the economy as it like is post-war kind of falls apart. And crypto theoretically seeks to solve that. So like crypto people see this as a problem and they're not necessarily wrong, right? Because like fiat currency as it is nowadays is pretty much backed by like violence. The (laughs) the, like US kills a lot of people to make sure that the dollar is acceptable. The other thing it's backed by is like oil, petrodollars. And so crypto sees this as an as an issue which it, it is theoretically although i don't i don't think it's as big of an issue as like capitalism as a whole but whatever yeah. and yeah. so crypto seeks to solve that by putting into the very like algorithm the value of the currency theoretically comes from the fact that there's only a certain amount of it that will ever be printed and almost every crypto has this in its like base algorithm you can only ever print a certain amount or you can only ever print at like every certain time so there's never more money in the system than you know about so it's kind of like commodity currency except it's digital and so i think that the governments don't want that especially not america i think that like america runs on the fact that we have fiat and without it i don't know what modern capitalism really looks like that's at least my opinion. Yeah, kind of two things. One, like with the gold standard, and I'm not as educated as some are on it, but I do know a few of the huge pitfalls that the government ran into when they did attempt this. The first and most obvious and mind-boggling, they didn't consider it up front, is the fact that they did not realize, or maybe they did, but they didn't realize the severity of it, was the fact that you then had to purchase the gold in order to back the currency. And at a certain point, that gets very challenging, especially when gold is a material that is not as controllable. It is very abundant in other countries that the United States didn't have control of. In the U.S. alone, it's not even something that was completely under control of, of like the capitalist class. I mean, you're talking about having to back your currency with a material that you as a government do not even close to have control of. Yes. Not only that. As you start buying it up and you start creating scarcity of it, you drive up the actual value of the gold, which then in turn affects the value of the dollar, which then in turn affects the value of the gold. And it goes into this fucked up feedback loop where then you're really just making up what they're worth just to try to fucking stop it. And I think oil they were a little bit more fond of because they did have more control of it in the united states it very clearly was under the capitalist class control and over especially the last couple decades the u.s has really got a foothold in most of the oil production we know of a few countries that they didn't have such a good relationship with and we know how that played out and with saudi arabia i mean the u.s is very comfortable with their relationship with saudi arabia um now the saudi arabian people not so much, uh, but a, a certain family, certainly. Um, but my thing is, I, I like the idea of getting away from uh, you know something tangible that you connect to it because it can create a feedback loop. And it's even worse if it's something that a government has more control of, over than the people. But with something like cryptocurrency, you're kind of just doing it all over again. Like we explained, you're still trading something tangible, which is electricity 
which is under the control of the capitalist class. Yes. I mean, traditional like finance critics would say that you're already doing that with like fiat, which is kind of true. The difference, I guess, is the order of magnitude. It costs a lot more to move like a dollar of Bitcoin than to move like a dollar of a dollar. So that is one thing. Uh, I will also say that I think that oil has more use than gold because it backs the production of everything. So oil like the petrodollar is a lot more useful than the gold dollar because the U.S. can bring the economy of other countries to their knees just by not giving them oil, whereas gold, it's like, whatever, it's gold. And crypto also has a problem with that because people who are into crypto, like they don't want their currency tied to a commodity either. They want this kind of third way, which is supposed to kind of fix both of the problems that we've kind of been talking about here. I want to get into um, this next section that I have here, but going back to what you were saying, Ethan, about governments not wanting to adopt it, because I think as Michael Parenti would put it, capitalism always needs socialism to bail it out. Whenever there's a capitalism crisis, like there's always either governments printing money, something that we would call a bailout. And it's like something that you could relate to socialism, bailing out capitalism. You make a good point that they would not want an actual accountable, like open, transparent ledger of all the, the money supply because that, that would, would be their whole game. Insane. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine. I, I, I would think say that also would just crazy, maybe yeah. imagine a world where that is the case and then the violence just becomes that more explicit and outright yeah. um, to back that up because that is a possibility. Like we could end up in that world. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just don't know how like the modern economy in which money just goes up and is printed and goes down and nobody knows where any of it goes. Yeah. Like that's like a backbone of the economy as it is today. I don't know what happens if we adopt crypto. Like, I don't know how things look mm -hmm. after that. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm of the opinion that governments and definitely the U S and the like IMF are happy for crypto to be a kind of side project, but would never want to adopt mm -hmm. it. So. It just made me think of how governments always have to step in and bail out capitalism when there's any kind of like market collapse because the free markets absolutely do not fucking work. And so this happens all the time. And then that's what our fucking ANCAPs, we'll call that fascism when the government has to fix capitalism's failures. And it's like, because they have fucking rocks for brains. It drives me nuts. But I just wanted to add one last quick little thing on the back end of that whole uh, gold dollar feedback loop thing, just to make people even more aware of an additional layer of corruption that was happening. The whole idea of the gold standard is important to remember the phrase people say, which is, if you have a dollar backed by gold, you have a dollar's worth of gold, is basically what you have. And the problem is, is that statement is true with this standard. And what you don't take into account is as you're creating this feedback loop and you're increasing not only the value of the gold and the dollar, the value of the dollar that it is to the government is very different from the value of the currency exchange that you get as a participant in the economy. So yeah, that dollar and that gold is worth incredible amounts of money that keeps uh, increasing over periods of time. But if I had a dollar's worth of gold and then 10 years later, I took that same dollar and, and handed it to you, they would give me less gold at that point than I would have got 10 years prior. So the gold standard is terrible in every fucking imaginable way. Although, I mean, I will say even without the gold standard, like, I think one of the reasons maybe people claim they wanted to move away from that was for that reason. But the rate of inflation hasn't really changed. 
it seems as though it doesn't matter what you back your currency by. Like the very process of creating currency kind of causes inflation. I think it's kind of purposeful. Um, you think? That, oh, I, I could go <laughs> into two fucking <laughs> hours why it's purposeful. We should but do Yeah, it. but sh- that's not this yeah, episode, no, so no. I won't get too far into it. But we yeah, no, we're, we're halfway <laughs> through this one, and we're where I want to be because I wanted to talk about this next part of it. But go ahead. So. Let's let's circle back on another episode about <laughs> labor farming and exactly where the benefit of inflation is. Oh yeah, mm. please. Okay, so I wanted to talk about this other big aspect of blockchain technology, which is the ability to run apps on it. And I think that's what a lot of people are not talking about yet, which should be the next big thing. Hopefully, is the next big thing. I think you know people who are really into this think that that's probably going to be the next big thing. They call them D apps or decentralized apps, and so you can essentially run like Twitter on the blockchain. You could run like Facebook or Instagram or whatever. You could make all our memes. You could put our podcast on the blockchain and it would be there forever. It would be on the blockchain and a copy of it would be on everyone's computer who was running that blockchain and minting that, you know, whatever um, social media coin you put it on or social let's, media blockchain you put it let's, on. Let's do that. <laughs> I mean, I think the only thing preventing that now is that it would just be too energy costly. Because it does cost money. Yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> because the energy required to think about it you're spending this much energy to mine Bitcoin, which is, like I said, the entirety of Bitcoin's history fits on a flash drive now. So imagine how much energy it would use to keep every podcast that we make or every meme we post on a blockchain on every computer. You're thinking of the wrong data. What makes Bitcoin expensive for electricity-wise is not the history of the blockchain. It's these incredible algorithms they're forcing it to right, solve. Right, right, right. So your podcast compared to those algorithms, I'm sure is like a fucking dime in the ocean. Well, no, I mean, I think that would be the that would be the problem in that scenario. Like when you start getting into having apps on the blockchain, then you actually do run into the problem of the the size of the transaction history being large. You know what I mean? Because you're keeping a record of everything that's ever been written. Yeah, I mean, I I guess everyone having to have like 10,000 fucking terabytes of information (laughs) moving every second. Yeah, I could see a problem with that. Well, I, so I would love, I don't know if you want to say more about this, but I'd love to get into why crypto has value because this is another really complicated thing because it's not just the electricity that goes into it. I, I think it's very kind of confusing and really gets the heart of why maybe crypto's uh, a grift as to why it has a lot of value. Um, but yeah, I don't want to cut you off. You want to say anything more about? No, yeah. I mean, that's about it. It's just like the ability to apply that permanent record of transactions and everything. You can apply that to other things, other, like things other than money. So the trustless system, like you were saying, Ethan, it's perfect for transparent financial systems, but it's also great for making sure you can't be silenced or censored which I think is also why libertarians and caps love it. And I'm surprised that that is not their big push because there already is a Twitter that exists on the Ethereum blockchain. There's like, I think there's more than one. And it's like, you actually have to pay like a couple cents to make a tweet because that's how it like gets stored on the blockchain. Like it rewards the people who are keeping that alive. And so it does kind of work in their capitalist way, but I'm surprised that they're not adopting that instead of parlor or something. You know what I mean? Like when they do their hissy fits about getting banned off of social media, I'm surprised they're not going to a blockchain version of Facebook and it makes me wonder if they actually do want the ability to erase shit that they've said in the past. You know what I mean? Like they realize like that this shit that they're saying is not going to hold up in a few years. So I don't know, but we can go into the grift of why crypto has value. Well, I will say also people think that, I mean, NFTs, which deserves a whole other episode, because that's a whole <laughs> other thing is also tied to the blockchain. The ownership of a specific NFT, just like a coin is basically 
validated by the blockchain. Yeah. Um, like, so people foresee a future in which like you get a concert ticket that's an NFT, so it can't be taken from you. Yeah. I don't know how often people's concerts take. Like, I don't think it's a problem in the world. <laughs> you know what people are really missing in the NFT thing? Like you're saying, the, um, the NFT is not actually the thing that you own. You own a certificate that's on the blockchain. You own like that financial yes. record saying that you own the NFT. Because yes. again, the NFT itself, even just being a JPEG, would be too data heavy to put on the blockchain itself. So you get a certificate saying that you own that JPEG. And then everybody's owning the NFT owners by saying like, look, I screenshotted your, your NFT. I own it, you know. But what yeah. they really should be doing if you want to own these guys is screenshot it and change one pixel and then you actually do own a new NFT that looks exactly like it and then you could like really troll these guys i don't know i think that would be a funnier yeah. way to do it but, but how whatever. would you how would you how would you get that to the blockchain if you did that i mean you, could you, pay. Can, you can pay to put things on a lot of different blockchains if you're like crazy enough i mean the thing is that the blockchain is only like valid if enough people contribute to it like we were talking about earlier so like if you you can make your own blockchain you can mine a block that basically says person number whatever which is you owns image number whatever which is your image or he's right it's like owns the financial record of having purchased that image which is yeah but there are blockchains that are made that have a lot of, again, kind of true believers who are there just to like mine things. And you can pay money to keep their lights on. And in, and in return, they will say that you own like a like piece of shit fucking, I don't even know, monkey <laughs> yeah. or whatever that people are doing nowadays. Lion, lazy lions or whatever they're called. <laughs> All right, well, so. speaking of these scam NFTs, get into your, your Grish thing there, Ethan. Okay, so... Obviously, all of this like makes sense as to why crypto is a thing, why it works, but why does it make a lot of money? And I think that this is really confusing, and this is where we get into things where I'm going to like move into things that I think and not things that I know. Um, I think that there's a few reasons. I think one of them is the kind of like true believer feedback loop that people really want crypto to work and they're willing to make it work. And they're willing to just say that this has value and enough people have been caught up by this, that they're also willing to say that it has value and they'll pay so much for a Bitcoin. And it's this feedback loop that like really balloons the cost, which is only kind of vaguely tied to the economy. Although weirdly enough, when the economy tanks, crypto tanks even harder, even though it really doesn't have much of a reason to, I think it's because just people are so afraid that as like any type of currency goes down, everything will, that it takes even more of a hit um, because it's really backed by nothing but what people think. Yeah. And it's also the first thing people will sell when they start getting scared because yes. it's such a, it's such because a privilege it's thing. Super, and it's super liquid. Yeah, that's right now at least. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, like when someone gets into financial hardship, like crypto is going to be one of the first things they sell off yes. just, just to get access yeah. to some money. I, I had a question for you, and I don't know if this is where you were already going, and this is probably even applicable to like uh, the stock market, but this is a question I don't know the answer to the stock market or crypto and whether or not they're even the same answer. But why does crypto become more valuable? Like why, why does it fluctuate in price? Yeah, so it's hard to say. So there are kind of futures for crypto in which people think, because there's like bull markets, bear markets, whatever, fuck all that. The like basic idea is that like, 
people believe in the future that the economy will do well. People will have more money and they'll want to invest it and they'll invest it into crypto. Right now, crypto acts kind of as an asset in a way, although it's not regulated as an asset. So it's even more like crypt heavy. So in the stock market, basically that's theoretically backed by like the real value that a company can produce. So if Apple looks like like it opens up a new market in China, it's made a deal where they can sell iPhones there now, whatever, that would make the price go up because like there's material conditions in which you think that like this company will do well and make more money. Crypto is not like that. Crypto is basically just like a ghost of the real market that's like projected onto a wall and you hope that it's there. So that's why crypto really goes wild when the economy goes wild and why it can go up to like 40K and down to 8K within the course of like two years is because it's not backed by anything material. I think that traditional like markets have been moving away from materiality anyway um like money isn't real nothing matters and they'll just say that like it's why tesla had a higher market cap for a minute and might still than any other car market combined even though they don't make any cars really (laughs) um people will just lie you just lie enough and then it works that's how like traditional money works too but this is even like more removed from that um that's at least my opinion i think that crypto at least has some real Value, I think initially because it was used to buy like black market things. Um, <laughs> back in the past, crypto was big in the human trafficking trade, even like eight years ago to five years ago to maybe now um, in the arms <laughs> trade. It's hard. To, and again, because it's all anonymous, because basically you look on the blockchain and it just says some numbered person sold some numbered Bitcoin amount to some other numbered person. It's built in that you can't really tell who is behind the wallet it's hard to tell how much of like crypto's actual purchases go toward black market things today uh, is it over 50 percent? is it under 50 percent? nobody knows <laughs> um so that's one thing that i think might give crypto real value i think another thing is that it's also i mean this is kind of the same thing it's really easy to launder money for the same reason yes you just own two wallets or you and your like worker who's in Switzerland own different wallets and you just give them Bitcoin. And because Bitcoin is oftentimes not taxed on like international trading, or even when you convert it into real currency, it's very useful to just move Bitcoin around to like avoid crashes and things like that. So I think that that's like another thing that keeps Bitcoin afloat. And I think also kind of the thing I I was talking about earlier in which like the whales and the people who really own a lot of coin, like they make money off of the fact that Bitcoin's so volatile. It makes sense for them to play Bitcoin like an asset because like they're the house and everybody else is the people at like the poker table, whatever you want there, because they're dealing in real money and everyone else is basically using chips because they actually have like the us dollar backing or the coins but everyone else only has the coins so i think that weirdly enough gives like the volatility of crypto gives it some of its actual real value because it allows people who own a lot of it to make real profit off of it so i think that those like four or five reasons already give it value 
I don't know if it's going to continue forever. I don't think anybody knows. My opinion is that if it's ever adopted as real currency, it would crash immediately and be worthless because it's only valuable as an asset, not as like an actual like mode to like move actual things around in the real world. So, yeah. Yeah, I say like a good example of that is like if you pay attention to certain cryptocurrencies or whatever, and it's like, oh, this coin, they're going to be like, unveiling some new like breakthrough fucking blockchain feature or technology like oh some cutting edge shit cool but then like the price it doesn't fucking move at all because of it but then like the next day it goes down because bitcoin went down because some whale fucking manipulated the market like that's, that's how detached it is i mean there's so many ridiculous things that i've seen happen i forget what exchange it even was unless it was like kraken or one of those crazy exchanges like they gave all of their customers a 30 percent haircut they called it like they just took 30% of everyone's wallet on the exchange because they screwed up somehow and like they got robbed, like somebody hacked their exchange or something and stole a bunch of shit. So their solution to that was to literally redistribute the losses, <laughs> like socialize the losses. Yes. And uh, all the customers were none too happy, but they stuck around. Most of them, I guess. I don't know. All kinds of shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this is kind of the like core question, right? Is like, disregarding the real impact of crypto on the environment and things like that i guess it's really kind of like a value judgment on whether or not you think crypto is useful because in some like if you believe as a libertarian or kind of like us that like the government is here to make profit off of your labor and off of your money and in return you get nothing then regulation isn't good right like regulations there just to get more money from the like little guy and to be fair that's kind of what the like imf does they're a very regulated market that will give money to korea or to el salvador or to this or to that and essentially take over large parts of those countries markets and it's all legal and that's what like fiat currency does so theoretically, that's bad. However, crypto doesn't fix that because like crypto just basically takes the power to grift out of the hands of the government and puts it into the hands of like the people who already run the government. It basically just cuts out the middleman, in my opinion. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think that it's really a fix for like the anti-regulation people because it doesn't solve the problems that like regulation is trying to fix it. Yeah. Literally the main critique of ANCAP thought putting that in air quotes is like you're not fixing the problems that you think are caused by government you're just just yeah i mean you should be discovering the problems of capitalism anyway yeah i was just gonna say i mean that that's also the truth on the first thing he was saying i mean the government is not the one that is taking money and trying to make money off of you they are just the third party involved the government yes. is taking that money and then giving it to the controlling corporations i mean it's yeah. it's it's the exact same thing that's all the government is, is a tool i mean regulations are not inherently good or bad. Regulations are bad when they are used to siphon money from the population into the corporations. Regulations are good when they're used to prevent that. Yeah. I also wanted to say, Ethan, a note toward like the value, like why does crypto have value? And I think we should also just note speculation, just the, just mm -hmm. the value of hype. It's yeah. like you can see Bitcoin as like a, a years long media cycle. And like you see how people get involved with things as trivial as memes or whatever, like celebrity gossip or anything that's in the news, politics even, you know, God forbid you would get so emotionally involved in that. 
so you can sort of see it that way. It's like, again, this, this is not financial advice. I will state that outright. This is absolutely not financial advice. Don't take this as a financial advice. Don't do this and then come at me if you lose money. But I feel like you probably could make a lot of money if you like bought Bitcoin every time news articles were being written about how bad it's doing and how Bitcoin is dead and how, you know, all the crypto bros should have learned their lesson by now and then sell it every time people are talking about is Bitcoin the new future of currency? Bitcoin's so hot right now. Everybody's super excited about Bitcoin. Like you could just do that. Like not even look at the prices and just look at headlines and gauge the enthusiasm for it. You'd probably be end up ahead, like drastically ahead. But again, not financial advice. Don't do it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I actually don't have any hard numbers on this. And again, I think because of its nature, it's really impossible to get hard numbers on this. I would assume that the majority of people who are invested in crypto see returns, which is crazy. Like that's an unprecedented type of market. Uh, it's again, it's kind of hard to tell why, like we've been, like, we've been, you know, talking about, but I think that generally it's like a sound investment right now to invest in crypto. I just, I just think that if it's, I think that the problem is that if it's ever adopted as anything that people can actually use, it then has no value whatsoever. Yeah. It's this weird thing where it's only valuable because of how like uh, volatile it is. So you have to get on that horse and hope it doesn't buck you off and it probably won't. But the people who want to like tame the horse and make it so that everybody uses it, I think are crazy because in my opinion, like that's when crypto is just completely useless is when people are just using it as money. Like then, then it just has no value whatsoever yeah, it, because like <laughs> it's not backed by anything. Yeah, the, the, the whole decentralized idea, it's what you're doing is you're taking the government out and you're just giving it directly to the ruling yes. class. Mm -hmm. and it, it, like even back on that like fucking regulation theory. I mean, it's like regulations are like a taser. If I walk up to you, and I say, here's a taser, and I hand it to you. And now, if someone tries to break into your home, you can, like, fucking tase them and protect your family. That's good. But if I say, here's a taser, and I just jam it into your fucking nuts and just start ringing that motherfucker <laughs> off, like, that's, that's not so good. And I don't know, maybe I just, like, destroyed the principle of libertarianism with a dick joke. But it's basically, that, that's all a fucking regulation is. It's not inherently good or bad. But... If you take the ability to regulate something away, then yeah, maybe that's not inherently good or bad either, but it definitely means the potential for good is completely eradicated. Yeah. And or I mostly. think that even, even more than that, the awkward thing about crypto as it exists right now is that you're really not cutting out the middleman because again, you don't actually buy anything in crypto. You use it as an asset to get dollars. Yeah. Um, and so I think that when there's a push in the, let's say, global south, at least in some more like right-wing countries to adopt crypto or Bitcoin as like an actual currency, I think that that's there because it makes the government and the people behind it a lot of money. Because if you're in El Salvador and you want to buy like a $10 beer or a 10, whatever their currency is, beer, you can't actually do that with crypto. Like the crypto has to be quickly sold on a market and then most of those markets deal in dollars, then those dollars are converted to a local currency, which is probably already pegged to the dollar. And then you can get your commodity in return. And I think that that makes people who own a lot of dollars, a lot of money. 
And so you're not really cutting out the middleman, right? You're just cutting out regulation, but you're not really cutting out the government. You're just getting rid of maybe the only good thing that the government does. Um, <laughs> if, and again, I don't want to like hammer this point too hard, but if we ever get to the point in which you can actually buy a beer with crypto, I think that at that point, crypto will be worthless. So I don't think that there's like a future in which crypto isn't backed by like a government's currency because they can actually force you to take it. If nobody can force you to take crypto and there's no like asset market, I don't think it actually has like any use at all in that sense. So, yeah. I guess like, it's not that I want to wrap it up, but I guess one of my main thoughts about crypto is that it's going to stick around for a, for a long time. Like this is not going to go away, yeah. but I think what is going to stick around is the platform part of it, the blockchain part of it, not necessarily even like, it may not even be a currency. Like you're saying, Ethan, I think it could very well stick around just in that way, because yeah. what I actually thought we were going to spend most of our time talking about were the possibilities of like having this trustless, totally transparent ledger system. And what are like the implications of doing something like that? Because one of the things I've heard floated, for instance, is like, this could solve the problem of deep fake videos. Somebody makes a video of Ethan saying something very embarrassing. It's like, and there's no way to tell that it wasn't really him because this technology has gotten so good. It's like, you could potentially solve that with crypto. It's like, oh, that wasn't, that video wasn't signed with Ethan's signature hash. So we know that that didn't actually come from him. You know what I mean? So that's a, some possibility, but like extrapolate from that, you can imagine other things that this technology would be possible that people just haven't thought of yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that my kind of like trepidation with that is that it's this kind of like feedback loop in which you build a trustless system because you think that people do you wrong and then people do you wrong because you haven't built like a community mm -hmm. and then you just keep on doing that over and over and over again. Like I think that the ideology behind the blockchain is kind of like inherently anti-human in that way and like anti-leftist. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like I think that these people who are, are again, even if they're not really true believers in crypto, they're like, they really like blockchain. I think it's because they've just given up on other humans. Um, <laughs> and like, we should work against that. Like I, I, this tech is there so that you never have to trust or like rely on anybody ever. And that's bad. <laughs> we should work and like, we shouldn't work toward that. Yeah. Yeah, kind of piggybacking off that, I mean, there's, I've always had one scare and like seeing this whole fucking $600,000 yacht on the metaverse selling recently <laughs> is kind of started bringing some of those fears a, a little bit more to the surface, but it's like crypto and blockchain really only works with intangible things. Like you can't put a head of lettuce on a fucking blockchain because it, it loses value over a period of time. So you really Isn't that what VeChain is supposed to do, Ward? Oh God! So, no, so VeChain, it's um, you can tag a physical product with a um, with a block code, and so as that product moves from facility to facility, it gets moved along the blockchain. Yeah, and so you go to the store and buy a head of lettuce. It's got the barcode. You could scan it, pull up the blockchain, and see, oh, it got to this store from this distribution facility who got it from this said farm at this their location. idea is that that's all supposed to be done with rfid chips in everything and all automated yes. as far as from what i remember about v chain yeah eventually the great reset 
Yeah, which plate that actually, that actually yeah. is. That's that's like for tracking purposes. Like no one is then buying that piece of digital ownership of that cabbage. The thing goes to market and gets sold. Correct. Yeah. No. Okay. So that, that's kind of my point. Is like it really only works with intangible things as far as like creating that's... something that you can sell as a crypto or NFT or you know random ass fucking non-existent object. My fear is as these things start getting more and more valuable, like uh, imagine crypto overtaking like the housing market and crypto being more valuable than owning a home and the, the housing market crashing. Like, yeah, that, that's great that now maybe we'd be able to afford houses is at least your initial thought. But what that really means is that our currency also declines and the ownership of these intangible things becomes all the fucking power and it, it just would give an incredible uneven uh, amount of power to the capitalist class to where like our material shit isn't even valuable anymore in the real world yeah yeah i mean i think this maybe goes a little bit beyond what we're talking about but there is a future viewed by like venture capitalists and other weirdos in which the only things that you own are on the blockchain. Like multinational corporations basically have everything and you work for them to live. And the only ownership you can have is on the blockchain. And so if you own a house, it's on your company's blockchain. And if you do this, it's on your company's blockchain. And like, that is kind of like the great reset. That's like, that is where maybe, like that's a path that capitalism might be taking. And I think that people need to be like worried about that. And I think that the only reason that it's not being pushed back on so heavily, I mean, I think it is, but I think that man's trust in himself and in others is at an all time low. Maybe that's not true, but it's definitely low. And I think that that allows people to think that things like this are a good idea. Um, and they're not. <laughs> and so I think that to counter this future in which you just like you log on to Facebook or whatever and you have like a counter-strike knife that you can also have on there and it's so cool and that's what you own and if you want to give that to your like kid when you get old you can do that oh god um, if you <laughs> yeah, want it's exactly in line with what i was saying <laughs> yeah man. like that's yeah. And i think that's that what i'm saying if you want to change that future the answer is to like begin to trust in other people in like the actual world where like things matter <laughs> make a difference so yeah I'm trying to think of any other interesting things that i might want to note like also have here in my notes talked about bitcoin mining and power consumption a little bit about nfts sometimes i think about like what is the imaginary future like the fantasy future of these bitcoin enthusiasts and it's like let's say bitcoin replaces all the, the cash in the world it's like that's the one true currency it's like and also it works as a currency and people are using it every day for their transactions and everything you would get to the point where one bitcoin would be worth trillions of what we know now as dollars and then people would be using like infinitesimally small fractions of bitcoins in their everyday transactions yeah. i just think that's like an interesting so in that way, there's almost like infinite coins, even though there's only 21 million Bitcoins, just that the worth of them would be so much that that's... Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm going to go the other way. I have a feeling that if that happened, the Bitcoins would be useless, in which case there would also be infinite coins. Like, just yeah. no... How could you tell how much anything costs ever um, if it's not backed by, like, any government? Yeah, there's nothing to compare it to, like... 
Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I mean, we can see that happen in the real world. And I think that crypto people would point toward the fact that these currencies are pegged to other currencies and that's wrong. But like when countries collapse, like their currencies are worth nothing because like you need the like threat of murder <laughs> to give these things value. Um, and then once that's gone, these things aren't worth anything. Like if you can't trust your cops or whatever to kill the person who you just gave money to, if they don't give you a thing back, like why even have a government? Yeah. Why even have money? And so that's my idea of a future is that nothing would be worth anything. And you know what? Maybe we'd be happier. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Well, I guess... Now that I'm looking through the rest of my notes, I think we actually covered most of the things that I wanted to talk about, at least topic-wise. We can always get a little deeper into any one of them. But uh, Ethan, I know you had a lot more that you brought to the table if you want to get into any of the stuff that you wrote. I mean, we went through, I think, most of my stuff. We kind of talked about the difference between traditional finance. I mean, so the other thing which we already kind of talked about why is that, again, I'm not an advisor. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Mike. I think it's a good bet right now if you want to get into crypto. If you have a little bit of extra money lying around, uh, it's not a bad investment to put it into crypto. Um, who who has a little extra money lying around? Is, is that <laughs> like a is that a thing? I mean, I think based on recent trends, I I think that if you went into the pandemic being in like the top thirty percent of this country, you actually came out better than you went in. Weirdly enough. If you were not in that position, you uh, came out worse. Um, so, you know, if you're not like super rich, but if you, let's say, own a home, if you do that, you probably have some like money lying around. It's not a bad bet. However, if you're a leftist, <laughs> um, I think that like, well, this might be a get rich quick thing. You do have to be wary of the fact that people take this seriously and want the future to be like cryptofied. Yeah. Um, and we should definitely be against that. Crypto is bad. <laughs> like it views the problems of kind of modern neoliberalism. Like it sees a lot of them, but it doesn't see the base level causes. And it's trying to fix like a system without overthrowing it. And I think that it could make it better. It could make it worse. I don't really have an answer to that. Um, but I don't want that. Like, I don't want a fix. I want like a complete change and i think that that's what we should work toward you know in my I, opinion i see a term thrown around a lot and i don't know if it's something you're familiar with but I, I don't understand it but i always see this term crypto fascism thrown around like what, what is <laughs> that has nothing to do with crypto no it's fine crypto fascism is people who are like pretending not to be fascist and they're they're like the guys who are like no i'm actually just wearing a I, I'm with her t-shirt and I'm just very concerned about like the mental health of trans people. It's like, you know, this person is a fascist, like who's trying to come across that they're not, you know what I mean? That's a crypto fascist. It's just a fascist huh. in disguise, but like, <laughs> um, <laughs> shit, I wanted to say something, but, um, to your point that you just said, Ethan, what was that? Uh, that like, well, crypto, I think sees real problems in the current trends. It's not like offering any fix and that we should work toward real. Fixes. That's what I wanted to say. It was like, if you, Come across leftists or quote unquote leftists online who are saying that crypto is actually the solution to capitalism. Fucking nope. run. Like, I'm not going to go so far as to say that crypto they're not a real leftist. <laughs> well, 
They may not be. I don't think they'll come to effect. <laughs> they may be. They could be. I'm not gonna rule that out either. But I just would say that like if they're either not a leftist or they're a very uneducated leftist. Because the only way I could see blockchain technology being useful for socialism, building socialism, is that it would be useful to create a trustless, like transparent list of fascists. Well, that yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but then also like, you know, when you have like your the workings of your party and like the distribution of all the, the grain or whatever it is that you're distributing in your socialist country. Like you're, you're, not, that you're not distributing the grain. You're keeping that shit on, on tuck. <laughs> I'm the Ukrainian. Not for you. <laughs> but I mean, crypto is not being used for that right now. Like that's not, there's no version I think of crypto or blockchain technology that exists for that yet. I mean, maybe there is, but like, that's not where people's minds are with it right now is what I'm saying. Like, Everybody's in crypto to get rich quick. You know what I mean? It's it's very capitalist. It's not going to be and it works. Socialism. And it does. It does, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It will. And I mean, I, I think that a kind of thing that maybe we should work towards instead of like blockchain leftism is just to trust each other. <laughs> like, I think that a person in charge can write down how much brain went here and went there. And I'm okay with that. You know, that like doesn't weigh really heavily on my mind we talked about this a little bit when i was on for the ancap episodes but like the things that ancaps care about and like crypto people care about like i feel like this don't really matter this like <laughs> this this intense distrust Wait, genocide, that kind of shit well it's that's fake. one but like this intense distrust of anybody basically to do anything that might affect you is like incredibly anti-human. And I think it's been bred into a lot of people because it's required to keep this crazy thing we have going. <laughs> and I think that we need to move beyond that, right? So like down with the blockchain. Yeah. <laughs> That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm trying, I'm, I'm also just internally trying to square my positions with it that I had in like 2016, 2017. Cause like when I got into it in 2016, I knew very little about it, but I was interested and I was excited and I bought some and then I was really excited when it started going. And then in 2017, I was absolutely the insufferable guy at work um, at every party. Like I was like, you got to you guys like giving it to people like randomly, right. people, my friends and family, like small amounts of it. And now, you know, they see now they're coming to me like years later, like, wow, that 25 bucks you gave me is worth like $150. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it is really cool. But now I have less faith in it than I did then. But I also will say, like, go ahead and get some and like make some money. But don't think that this is going to be this thing that changes the world like they're hoping, because this is a scam, just like capitalism is a scam. And it will just it'll kill us all if we let this thing get out of control. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I will say that there are legitimate like concerns about how much it hurts the natural world. I will also say, like, so does computing as a whole. So does like traditional markets, money markets. All of these things do hurt the world. I'm not saying I hate when people are, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. You can do it, but what you want, there are levels. Crypto is definitely worse, but like yeah. capitalism again, as a whole is very anti-human. Um, crypto is just the kind of like apotheosis of that in a lot of ways, like we've been talking about. <laughs> so like, I'm not going to blame you for investing in it, even if it's worse because it will make you like money, but just know that it is really, really bad for the environment. Really yeah. shitty. Yeah, I just, I, I feel like timing-wise, crypto is going to take over right as the singularity hits. And I'm, I'm still not convinced that these goddamn algorithms are not writing the singularity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, 
Yeah, Ethan, you make a good point. Like, no ethical consumption means like don't stress yourself out about the fact that you have to buy clothes at Walmart to survive, you know, because that's practical for you. Yeah. It doesn't mean like don't feel invest, bad invest, about like invest. <laughs> what's that? It I mean, I mean, I think that there's a kind of like nihilism with crypto that a lot of people have, or just like fuck it, I don't care. It makes you money. Yeah. Uh bad. It's bad. Yeah. You get jail time for that thinking. You get vacation <laughs> time for that thinking. Uh, we had our way. Yeah. It's just like to because you you really do have to be so either uninformed about it or if you do know about like the cost of it energy wise and what it's using up as far as resources, you have to be so callous. Um, yeah. No, I know some people in my personal life who are very big on crypto. And every once in a while it gets to the point where I'm like, I can't go any further because you kind of like remove this mask and there's this like anti-human looking back at you mm-hmm. almost when you really get down to it, where it's like, I don't care if I hurt other people. I don't care if I hurt the world, like I'm here to make money and there's no purpose to the making money. It's just that you're making money because like the people who I know who like invest kind of big into into it don't necessarily need the money. It's just a way to convert like 20K to like 30K. Like that's that's great, but like it's just so anti-human, such like a waste of time, energy, real energy, people. It's just, you know, huge waste. Yeah. All right, well, I guess we can... We can start to wrap it up there. I mean, I thought we were going to have to go on for like a longer episode, but we'll kind of have an early night tonight, but that's cool. But I will just ask if anybody has any kind of major points that they want to make. Ethan, if you have anything that you wanted to say that you didn't get to, if you guys have any, so if you have any questions that we maybe didn't get to that you might have, because I'm sure that there's somebody out there who's got a million questions that we didn't answer well enough, but. I was surprised. Like, I mean, I didn't know how much knowledge Ethan had on it. And I was sure I was going to ask a few questions that he was like, why, why do you even want to know that? <laughs> but I mean, he, he really kind of knew everything I asked. And I'm a I, crypto freak. Yeah, <laughs> I found that very fascinating. I thought yeah. this episode turned out very concise. Like this is the first time I feel like maybe I don't understand crypto, but I know why I don't understand it now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, then, uh, yeah, let's wrap it up there and we'll do plugs. Uh, Ethan, go ahead and plug the Left Shelf podcast. Uh, we have the Left Shelf podcast. Me, co-host. <laughs> she's been on before. Nina, yep. she's great. Um, she's just not into crypto because that's a boy thing. Um, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> um, we talk about books and also leftism, and it's really cool. Mike's been on our, our podcast a few times before and it's great so hit us up on twitter where i post once every two weeks because otherwise i get very sad (laughs) Um, or instagram which used to be good but i think like nino feels that too because you know get off the computer and go outside yeah um that's my real plug um so yeah i won't i refuse (laughs) yeah so that's it for me nice yeah yeah i mean i love your podcast and it's always fun to have you guys on shit on ancap (laughs) Yeah, it's Sterling and play the Twitter. At Turn Leftist Pod. And also we're back up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, fuck Muller, she wrote. Fuck AG. <laughs> fuck the Daily Beans. That bitch reported <laughs> she reported me because I I tweeted always Wait, kill the what? kill the I tweeted always kill the czars and she reported me. And I got fucking banned for seven days because I called her. I called her. I called her an imperialist, and she like went off on this fucking rant. And wait, who who was this? You the girl from Mueller? She wrote in Daily Beans. I think her name is Allison Gill. Like she's one of the bigger liberal podcasts. I mean, she's not quite like at Pod Save 
America, but like she's definitely yeah. only a tier or two below. She's definitely oh in the top God. ten. That's so funny. And and, <laughs> and she's a top ten bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is just frozen up, cracking up, and yeah, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good way for you broke him to go. <laughs> Say how do we? Oh god damn! Oh. I was gonna say how do I screenshot that? <laughs> <laughs> My joke was too good. <laughs> Dude, you killed it! All right, well, I'll go next and go ahead and plug my stuff. Uh, mm. You can follow me on Instagram at Millennial Leftist. Follow my backup at Millennial Marxist, and follow me on Twitter at Ward Lolly W A R D L A W L E Y. And uh, or Cosper plug their patreon that's patreon.com slash c-o-s-p-e-r underscore and uh, you can find those social medias just by searching existence is innocent cool Jaren's phrase. website yeah it is cool uh they got a discord server and everything it's cool and Jaren's website is jaronperlman.com j-a-r-o-n-p-e-a-r-l-m-a-n.com and i wanted to plug uh just the sra since i haven't in a while plug the party of communist usa the pc usa psl hell i'll plug the dsa while i'm at it why not <laughs> <laughs> And um, oh, I also want to plug uh, just the the turn leftist podcast email, like the turn turn leftist podcast at gmail.com. Like you can email us, especially if you have any more questions about crypto that we could answer and probably get in depth. I'll forward them to Ethan; and he can answer them. So and also, Sorry. also all the comrades, we've already seen tons of people uh, tagging us in the like the Spotify wrap up. And tons of comrades who were like their number one podcast of the year. If we show up anywhere on the list, please post it on Twitter, Instagram, tag us. That that shit just really excites us yeah that was actually i was super happy to see that blowing up my stories today and that really just warmed my heart that was so yeah, great cool. and then also i wanted to plug the discord server i feel like i haven't put it out there enough that like that's a really good place not only just to hang out with people who listen to this podcast but like if you want to win arguments online like you want some sources or if you have questions about any communist country or figure past present whatever like our library is fucking huge i can't even describe it like if you're not there, you're really missing out on why communism is great and why all the bad things people say about it are wrong because it's, it's all in there. And if, any, if anyone tells you to read Abdullah Ashalan or Democratic Confederalism, <laughs> they're a fucking fed. That shit is bullshit. He was a fed. Anyone pushing it's a fed. Red Marksman is a fucking fed. And if not, he's dumb as fucking shit. And shit might as well be a fed. Dude, the worst CIA account on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> And then I guess this is the last thing I'll plug is just, I would like just a, a favor of our listeners. Like, I want to see if this will actually do anything, but like tell a friend, if you know anybody who's like kind of liberal, we're just dabbing into class consciousness, getting leftism. Tell them just, about this podcast. I literally then, pictured like dabbing into class oh, consciousness. Dab- and I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> no, dabbling, dabbling, buddy. Yeah. I mean, just tell them about turning a podcast and then even better yet, just to show that I'm actually a capitalist, tell a friend to tell a friend, try that out for marketing, see how that works. <laughs> All right, that's all I got. I will, I'm going to thank our Patreon subscribers real quick, though, because we did get some new ones and some good ones. And then one I've been, I've been mispronouncing, or not mispronouncing, Ward knows it, I'll show you. Yeah. So thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Thank you to Gus, Kyle, Madman, Robert, Garden of Nurgle's Delights, I don't know, <laughs> Comrade Rev, Cosmic Crown, Michael, Van, Liquidated Bourgeoisie, Kaja, Sigmund, Stuart, and this guy, Pete. Sorry, Pete, I didn't realize, like, I don't want to dock people who donate to us because I don't want to out people as leftists. I don't know where they live, if they live in like a red state or whatever. So I never say anybody's last names, but this apparently is a joke name. Thank you, Pete Zaria. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Thank you, Colton, El Robert, Allison, 
Zach, James, Raven Enigma, Marvin, Kay Ryder, Not Drinking Water 69, James the Second, Mad Boy, Christian, Elam, Venture X, which is a credit card I keep seeing commercials for, funny enough. <laughs> like, uh, Jared, the Australian one, another Jared. Jared has the best opinions, which is a Nanya, by the way. Did you guys fucking know that that was a Nanya? I had no idea. It's a what? Yeah, oh, that's a Nanya. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ananya. Uh, Bill Killionaires, Bro, you know Marks, David, Tristan, Devante, your mother, Charlotte, James, the third James, Bishop Mew, Rural Marxist, MC, John Bovie Fan 420, Aaron, Kyle, Jean Claude Manhands, Male, Bill, and Blackwater Janitor. Thank you all. And I know, I know I'm not supposed to have favorites, but Blackwater Janitor is like my comrade, and we chop it up on Instagram lately, and he's hilarious. And anyone else who just wants to chop it up, like, fucking hit us up. DM us. Hey, Connor's great. Connor's the dude I met at, uh, at the amusement park. He's, he's oh, cool really? Yeah, no, yeah, he's like, great. We were yeah. chopping it up on Instagram. Fucking awesome. Like, I got love that comrade. I'll take this opportunity to hound him about that podcast. He said he was going to start up with our other friend in the Discord. So get <laughs> on. did uh, one episode, I think. Or did they? Yeah. Oh, well, shit. I didn't realize. I'm so, I thought I was subscribed to it. Oh, oh, well, I'll find out and then I'll plug it. <laughs> all right. I think that's all I got. Thank you, Ethan, for coming on. Thank you, guys. This was fun. And uh, yeah, that's Bitcoin. Please. <laughs> Have a great night. See you guys. Recording stopped.